Welcome to Marx's Voice, bringing you ideas and analysis from Socialist Appeal, the Marxist voice of labour and youth. For regular updates, subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes or any major podcast provider. Or visit our website at www.socialist.net where you can donate and subscribe to our paper online and help support us in the struggle for socialism. to Marxist Voice, the podcast of Socialist Appeal, the British section of the International Marxist Tendency. And a uh, happy new year to all our viewers and listeners at home. Uh, we might, we hope everyone's managed to stay self, safe and healthy over the holiday period. And uh, obviously 2021 is upon us and it's uh, a new year that started with a bang. Uh, with the events taking place in the USA right now, obviously drawing a lot of attention. But even just over the last week, we've had uh, Brexit and Boris's negotiated deal that's apparently uh, set us free and taken back control. Um, at the same time, uh, within days uh, of the new year being in, we've already found ourselves in a third lockdown. Uh, and because of the recklessness and uh, the incompetence of Boris and his ministers, uh, we have this public health catastrophe on our hands. So on the one hand, it seems we've been liberated by Brexit, apparently, according to Boris. On the other hand, we can't actually leave our bedrooms uh, because of his recklessness, as I say. So a happy new year indeed. Now, one of the key questions around uh, this current lockdown is the question of schools and uh, in particular uh, this week, you saw a very screeching U-turn, another screeching U-turn uh, by, uh, by Boris um, over the question of the closure of primary schools, uh, which have now been announced will be closed until uh, mid-February, at least the February half term, and there'll be a move to online learning. Now, this was only brought in late on Monday night, um, and just 24 hours earlier, Boris had been insisting that schools were safe, uh, that schools would be open come Monday. Um, and really, this latest U-turn is the result of a massive backlash uh, against the Tories by the teachers, and in particular, the campaigning and the, the action that's been undertaken by the NEU, the National Education Union. And uh, tonight, we're very lucky to have with us once again on the show uh, is Natasha Sorrell, an NEU activist up in Sheffield and a socialist supporter, socialist appeal supporter. So welcome, Tash. Thank you again for joining us. Hope you're safe and healthy at home. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. Doing okay, thank you. Thanks, and really thanks for coming to spend the time with us to chat to us about the situation, because I know you and all the teachers are incredibly busy, obviously not only teaching remotely and all the stresses that that brings with it, but also all the campaigning work you've been doing over the last few weeks to make sure that we do have a safe situation in relation, relation to schools, students, staff. Um, so, yeah, really appreciate you coming to speak to us about that today. Now, as I said, we've had you on the show a couple of times already. That, that I think early on in the pandemic, you came to speak about uh, the conditions facing essential workers who are having to go into work during the, uh, the first lockdown. And more recently, uh, you spoke to us again about the question of schools and the teachers versus the Tories. Um, so can you just outline to us again, you know, what's been happening over the last nine months in relation to schools, in particular, what are 
the safety questions uh, that teachers and the NEU have been raising around the question of schools? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's been a very turbulent nine months. There's been a lot going on um, and teachers have been at the front line of, of fighting for the safety, not just of themselves or other education workers, not even just pupils, but of, of actual communities, actually. I think this action that we've taken over the past few days is really to, to defend and protect ordinary people right around the country. It's not just about um, teachers staying off from school to protect themselves in any way. Um, so, I mean, you know, you've said right back um, even nine months ago, ago back in June we were arguing for schools um, to remain closed until they were safe to open at that point fighting against the government for people's safety um, and for them to only reopen fully when it was safe for them to do so. We then reopened in September fully to all pupils with pretty much none of the measures that our union had been fighting for put in place um, that would have that would have meant greater safety and, and since that point really COVID rates have been rocketing um, you know we, we came back in September and by the October half term, the rates of COVID had increased massively amongst uh, secondary and primary age pupils, amongst teachers as well, and then the general population, of course, as well as that. Um, we talked right the way through um, in, can I just say, perfectly normal school days, classes of 30, ordinary lesson changeovers. The only real differences have been pupils wearing masks on corridors um, and, and sort of bubble system that's been attempted to be implemented um, and so obviously we watched with great concern as the cases continued to rise in the in the pre-Christmas period we then knew that cases would be higher given the, the, the mixing that happened over the Christmas period um, and, and we knew that we would be facing unprecedented levels when we came back in the new year and despite the knowledge of that and despite the calls of the union and, and parents and the general population for measures to be put in place Nothing was done until the, the 11th hour um, after we actually returned back to school. Mm. Um, and so, of course, as you know, um, the union fought for it, the, basically that it, to argue that it has been uh, and is unsafe for schools to open fully. Now, there were going to be a staggered start for the secondary age pupils. And as you rightly said, you know, primaries, primary pupils were expected uh, back in, in normal sized classes from the 4th of January, and it's this that we fought against, that being a particularly unsafe thing to happen. Um, and that's what we've been successful in achieving with that government U-turn on Monday evening. And, and the government has been saying throughout all of this period that they're following the science, you know, and, and this is not just in the question of schools, but throughout the pandemic, this is the big, the big assertion of the Tories. You know, we're following the science, we follow the science. What has the science been saying in relation to schools? Who does the science really back up when it comes to this question of safe schools? Yeah, well, us, obviously, um, you know, it's, I'm actually, it's a really frustrating and angry thing. Um, and it, it's the government's own advisors, even the, um, you know, the scientific advisory group that have been saying that it's not safe to open schools. They met in December, on the um, 22nd of December, I think it is. And the minutes from that meeting very clearly states that they do not believe that the rates of the virus will come down if schools did not close. And even if uh, schools were closed, all the measures would need to be put in place. The science is not what the government are following. I don't know what they're following. Um, but all the way through this, the NEU have said will be guided by science. And I think it's it's I make this point quite often, but we are very adamant that we don't want schools to be closed unless it's absolutely necessary. And the, the, the awful reality is that it is absolutely necessary that they're closed. It's not safe. Transmission rates are far too high. Um, and even Sage is saying that there is evidence of the transmission in schools, despite what the government is saying, that, that it isn't. So um, it, it's quite clear that 
you know, the science very much backs up our position. And, and actually, I, I, some of the, the stats are quite shocking. You know, the, the transmission rate in teachers is three times higher than that of the normal population. Um, and I read some statistics on the National Education Union website uh, this week that was saying that one in 40 secondary pupils uh, currently have or have had the virus, and that rises to one in 15 for primary pupils. And when you're looking at statistics like that, how can you possibly argue that it's safe for these for these institutions to be open, not just for the people who are attending them, but for all the people in the homes that they're then potentially taking the virus back to, uh, vulnerable people who are um, in no way considered in these in this argument that schools should have stayed open. So, from a scientific point of view, um, until the virus levels are are reduced, the schools needed to shut, and and that is what's been said quite clearly by Sage as well. So why do you think it is then the government, you know, have gone from this position where they're claiming schools are safe uh, to suddenly 24 hours later, um, you know, they're, they're saying they're not. But, you know, why, why have they adamantly been maintaining throughout the last nine months that school are, schools are safe? You know, the scientific evidence, as you say, is, is overwhelmingly in the favour of the teachers and teaching unions and the assertions they're making. Why then are the Tories so bullishly push, pushing this other? They say they care about children's education, but you know, is that really what they're, they're concerned about here? Um, you know, what, what's, what's the reality behind why the Tories desperately seem to want schools to stay open at all costs? Mm, well, I, it comes down to a question of the economy, and I think that's made blatantly clear when you look at the age groups that the government have been... Um, you know, looking at keeping in schools. So secondaries are having a staggered start. Primaries, we're going to stay open and now closed. But let, early years uh, settings are still open even now. Um, the government have decided that it's still safe for those to remain open where you've got mixing of young children. Um, that, you know, there's been reports this week of, of babies in the, in the news that have had uh, COVID themselves. Like it, it's not safe for them to stay open and yet they have stayed open and it was the primaries that they wanted to close. Now I'm talking about age in particular because it does play a bearing on um, our understanding of why the government are really pushy about the schools staying open and it's because the parents of those children if they're staying off school are obviously going to need to take care of them, help them with their education, look after them um, and that means they're not going to be able to do their jobs, they're not going to be able to go to work if they need to leave the home, they're not going to be able to do those jobs uh, from home if they're working from home and so the impact of the closure of schools is far wider than just the educational impact that it has on people. It actually affects many, many adults who would be contributing to the economy. And that's really, I think, the thing that's driven this government's decisions on schools, not safety, not concern over education, not the well-being of vulnerable pupils. None of that um, is as important to them as maintaining the economy. And why is that so important? We're in a situation where capitalism's absolutely on its knees. We're in a decrepit economy and any major hits to it in this way are going to make the situation worse. They can't afford to continue uh, furloughing people on a huge, massive scale. Um, they they can't afford to have that many people out of work unless they're absolutely forced to, which they, they have been in this case. And so I think that's really the thing that's driven the decision making. We can be under no illusions that this is about their actual concern for ordinary working class people because it definitely isn't. Yeah, and I guess that's pretty obvious that hypocrisy to talk about the welfare of students and, and, and staff and the wider public when they've clearly risked lives over the last nine months, uh, clearly they don't care about lives. And clearly they don't care about education. They've been attacking education for, for years. It seems almost like this is actually a, a part of this is a vindictive uh, element of wanting to crush the union as well. You've got a, tr a trade union that is actually standing up against the government from the beginning has been very, um, very, adam you know, very, uh, very bold 
in, in calling for, for safe conditions for workers and have actually made a lot of good noises about that and, and mobilized members and workers. And it seems like the Tories want to just crush that kind of resistance to, as you say, the, the, the desire to put uh, lives on the altar of profits. And it's actually remarkable how far they're willing to go in this. I saw before Christmas, they were threatening legal action against some of the councils. Is that right? In Greenwich uh, and other places that were looking to close schools early and actually they were threatening legal action. Obviously, now they've been forced to, 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 to close the schools anyway. But it just seems like I say, do you think there's that kind of vindictive element on the part of the Tories as well? Hundred percent, and it's so ironic that they're giving so much power to head teachers and putting so much responsibility on them to make decisions about what's safe for the schools all the way up until this point. And then, as soon as a head teacher steps in and decides that it's not safe to keep the school open, that 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 responsibility is revoked from them. It's such hypocrisy in that as well. And um, I think you're right though about the the stance towards the unions. We've been we've been clamouring to be part of the decision making process um, and to offer our professional expertise on what we know are the right actions to take to keep schools open since June. None of this is new information and it's been completely ignored. You know, we know exactly what's required to keep the schools open. We've been telling the government very clearly what steps need to be taken. We've not changed those plans as part of that 10-point plan that the, um, the NAE released months ago now. We know that we need greater spaces. We know that we need to have more teachers. We know that we need to have social distancing. All of this is very basic stuff um, and it's all been completely ignored and, and they're not willing to engage with the unions and now I think you're right that, that um, it's it's kind of their chance to try and push out um, the voice of the unions and push out one who's actually fighting and trying to um, to make their voices heard and to make a change and make a difference and it, and it has it's worked and, and look at what the unions achieved now I think it's a fantastic thing um, you know that, that we've stood up and members have taken action into their own hands with the, the lead of the union uh, putting in these section 44 letters and well, can, can Tash do you mind yeah going on actually to, to explain exactly what the teachers have done over the last week I'm sure a lot of our viewers will have seen uh, a lot of our viewers will probably have children themselves or, or no teachers uh, or be teachers even watching this and will know about it but for those who don't can you explain over, you know since this uh, report came out from SAGE about the the, the risk in schools and and things like that. What have the actions been of the NEU that have helped to bring about this new term? Yeah, I mean, it's come about really quickly, actually. It was on Saturday that the NEU made the decision to contact members and, and, and called emergency meetings that day. Uh, reps on Saturday, I think it was, and, 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 and the biggest online meeting that's ever existed, I think, on Sunday, um, to say that we are going to use this clause of the Employment um, Rights Act, the, the Section 44, to say that it is not safe to go into work and to therefore refuse to go in on that grounds. Now, if people haven't heard of Section 44 before, it's basically just a way that um, a worker can, can um, like legally backed and backed by the union, refuse to go in and work in a workplace that's unsafe. And that can be unsafe for themselves or it, that can be unsafe for other people as well. You can refuse to work on those grounds. And so the union called on its members, primary members in particular, to put in Section 44s um, to their school leaderships to say, you know, until the rates of the virus are uh, are lower, are far, far lower, it's unsafe for us to go into that workplace um, and the grounds that it's unsafe, it's unsafe for the teachers, but for the pupils and obviously, as I've said, the communities as well. Um, 
And therefore, that would force the closure of quite a lot of primary schools. And it did force the closure of a lot of primary schools because there weren't the staff there to, to safely staff them. And that's precisely you know, the aim of the action that we took was to keep the schools closed because it wasn't safe to have people going in and mixing. Um, and the union was really successful on this. Like members were really, you know, like I think courageous to be honest, and and sent these letters in and uh, took this action, and and as you as you can see, you know the results speak for themselves. That many many primary schools were actually closed on um, Monday, and then of course it I think you know forced that government U-turn that we saw later that evening. So it's, it's almost like unofficial strike action, effectively, like a, a, a walkout, effectively, is what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, in many ways it is. I think the difference is that it's putting it onto the individual member. So every individual person sends these in. Of course, we were rallied by excellent reps who were contacting people. We were supported with the um, the online rally that the union called. Um, Can you say a little bit more about that online rally? Because, I mean, I've heard estimates there are up to 400,000 people there, which would make it the biggest event pretty much ever in Britain in terms of an online event of that kind of nature. So can, you know, how did that come about? And what, what was the mood like there? What was being said? What was the, what was the role of that meeting? Mm, yeah, I, you're right on the numbers. Um, you know, the Zoom call was maxed out and they were streaming it online over Facebook. There were so many members really keen to be there to hear what was being said. And and that rally really was to, to set out the union's position of, of what we're doing and why we're doing it and to reassure people and to tell them that, you know, as, as members already felt, this is the right action to take and that we can do something about it. So it was really, um, you know, that kind of not inspiring in the sense of like we you know we can make a change but in the sense of we have a responsibility here um, and we also have the capability to to do something about it and it is that taking that action and I think I mean to be honest the, the mood there's a mixture really of people being um you know wanting to take this action uh, people knowing it's the right thing to do but not wanting to take it but also there is a mood of, of fear and concern because there has been so many changes so quickly and so much happening. There's there's a lot of anxiety. Um, people are really concerned for their own safety and the safety of others. And so um, I think it was a, a really crucial meeting. And, and, and this is why it was so well attended that people wanted to do something about it and were prepared to. And that rally got people ready for that, explaining the methods and what needed to be done, what would happen as a consequence of that and why it was so important for us to actually do this. So, um, yeah, absolutely amazing meeting. Um, and for it to be so widely attended shows you how important this action was and how much people wanted mm-hmm. it. And also, I mean, this has set a great example for other workers to follow, you know, that if we want to defend workers against the attacks of the Tories, against them attempting to, you know, sacrifice lives uh, for profits, this shows the way forward. Mass action, militant action, mass mobilization. And uh, and the results, from what I understand, in terms of actually strengthening the union have been very positive as well. Thousands of uh, people have actually joined the NEU just in the last few weeks, from what I understand, and even thousands more in the months before. So it really shows the way forward for the whole of the labor movement in in how to strengthen the unions and how to fight back against these sort of attacks. I just want to also go on then to to discuss what is what has been the response from the rest of the labor movement in support of the teachers and support of the NEU. Um, what what's the positive support that the uh, the NEU's had from across the labor movement? 
Mm. So there's been lots of positive support and, and messages of support from other unions, um, you know, around the, the WhatsApp groups that we were all a part of that have helped us to organise this action. There's messages of support from, from tube drivers and train drivers with posters in the windows, uh, generally from the leaders of other trade unions as well. Um, and in the Labour Party itself, you know, open letters were written and supported by um, predominantly left-wing kind of uh, Labour MPs um, and, and members of the NEC as well, calling on the government to to move to online learning and only open the schools for, for vulnerable workers. So there's a, there has been um, quite a lot of positive res- responses in that sense um, from individual members as well, uh, from other unions writing in messages of support um, explaining that, you know, this is this is really important action that's been taken and, and um, yeah, just, just being supportive and, and kind of giving you that boost to think as well that's really like that solidarity between uh, unions that's so important. And what about the wider public? Do parents back this? Because obviously that's one of the things where the Tories traditionally, you know, kind of divide and rule, try and set the unions against the public, kind of undermine support for these kind of uh, actions. But have the public been generally behind the, the, the NEU and the teachers' positions on this one? Yeah, I think on the whole, that is true. Um, and there have been, you know, parents that are prepared to strike. There's been small, like, parent strike groups set up in different cities around the country. I know in Sheffield have one here. Um, and meetings held in support as well to make the schools safe. I think on the whole, that is definitely the view. Of course, you get this kind of, like, rabid attack that we've seen in the media where people are calling teachers yeah. lazy and, oh, they're just going to sit on their Xbox all day, that kind of attitude. Yeah. But I really think that that's an absolute minority of people who have just got a safe box that they're sat on and, and anyone who knows what we've been trying to do knows that that's complete nonsense that this isn't about no one's having a day off here it's much harder to do online learning it takes mm. hours to prep the stuff for it um this is completely about safety and protecting mm. ordinary people's lives um so i think you know that the generally that this has been has been well supported um of course it's not been completely supported but that i suppose you'd, you'd expect but given that there is pretty widespread support amongst the public for the closure of schools, for the NEU's position, for what teachers have been saying all along, given that there is that wider public support, why is it then that we have not seen support from the leader of the Labour Party? Keir Starmer was up until, you know, even I think actually he was he didn't give support to, to the teachers and the closure of schools until Boris Johnson had already presented it as a fait accompli. So, you know, even and, and the Labour's education secretary, Kate Green, similarly towing the same line, refusing to back the teachers, refusing to commit to the closure of schools, very happy to call for the closure of zoos, but not for schools, which are very clearly an important part of transmission of infection. So what, what has been going on there? Why is Starmer and also some of the other right wing unions? I see the GMB also was was telling teachers to go into schools on Monday until the very last minute as well. Why this fence sitting response when the public is very clearly behind the teachers on this one? Mm. Well, I think we expect this from Keir Starmer now. He didn't back us in June. He didn't back us on any of our points that we were um, putting forward for the safe reopening in September. This is this is almost just what we were imagining would happen now. Um, but I think this is this is completely about Starmer's viewpoint and. Um, his position and who he supports in society and it very much he's clearly separating himself from the workers he's separating himself from the unions here he's he's i think 
you know, really drawn a line in the sand between himself and who he supports. And he's making it very clear that he is not on the side of us, but is on the side of, of wanting to look stately and in the government, um, wanting to make it seem like he's, I think, probably a safe pair of hands and that he's trying to prioritise the economy and businesses and that kind of thing. Um, when, you know, he's not listening to the people whose views matter the most, who know the most, who are the most in touch with what's happening on the ground is totally ignoring that professional view, which, which is a ridiculous thing to do, especially from the the, the, the leader of the Labour Party, sorry, you know, a workers' party yeah. where he's standing and setting himself up against the unions and, and workers. And I think it's scandalous, really. But as I said, we do expect this now because he's very much positioned himself in this way um, for the last at least nine months now. Um, yeah. And I guess it's consistent, if anything, with what he did right at the beginning of his tenure in sacking Rebecca Long-Bailey from the position of Education Secretary, who had, as a left-winger, come out and supported the teachers. And you can't help but think that that was an important part, actually, of why she was sacked, that she was taking the side of workers and the unions, which is something that Starmer's leadership does not want, claimed, obviously, to sack her over anti-Semitism, but claimed to also suspend Jeremy Corbyn and many others on, on this uh, very trumped-up charge. So it seems like really what it was going on is this This is part of the general purge of the left of the Labour Party, the attempts, as you say, to turn Labour into a safe pair of hands for big business and for capital. Capitalism. So in that respect, I mean, we shouldn't be surprised, as you say, by what Starmer's has done. It's, it's perfectly consistent with his rightward turn of the pie overall. But I guess then that leads to the important question of, I, I, I believe you are also a Labour Party member, uh, as, as myself, uh, in uh, Sheffield. And um, what should Labour members be doing to help support the teachers? You know, if we're not getting the, uh, the support from the leadership, what can Labour activists and others uh, in the Labour movement do to help uh, the teachers in this campaign for safe schools and, and in turn then for safe, uh, for us, you know, uh, to, to curb the virus? Well, I think to start with, you know, passing motions and having meetings and conversations about um, the plans that we have to make schools safe to open. And that includes bringing in a far greater number of teaching staff, using spaces to be able to, to sort of, you know, split schools, using libraries, um, community centres, public spaces like that, so that we can have classes operating in person but safely socially distanced um, investing huge amounts of money into technology um, you know the government have promised a million laptops for 1.8 million children in need what are the other 0.8 million supposed to do um, so we have you know these very clear um, sort of steps that we know we need to be taken for schools to be open safely um, for, for everybody in the community and I think Labour members and, and people in groups who, who want to support us should be discussing those ideas and, and how we can fight um, to have those ideas implemented. Um, I think that's a really key important step to be taken but we also then need to think about why it is that they've not been taken to put in place in the first place and I think it's important to say that whilst the government are treating the, the unions and workers with contempt, I don't think the lack of these safety measures is just spikes to workers. I think you know we also need to look at why have they not brought in loads more teachers and invested all of this funding? Why have they not paid for these quite expensive uh, measures that, that are absolutely essential? And I think that leads us to the question of, well, why is it that, you know, they, they, that they don't have the money in their hands to actually be able to implement this? That actually the current model of society that we work within, the capitalist model, can't just pull out of the bag all of these resources that we need. 
they exist. You know, no one's saying that we can't find 800,000 devices to be given out to pupils who need them. They exist 100% in society. The, the money exists to pay for those teachers. Um, the money exists and the buildings exist for us to immediately right now move into. And yet none of that's in our hands because we have absolutely no control over that. So I think in making these demands for safety, we need to realistically think why that hasn't been given to us in the first place. And that leads us to question the system that we're in and to question the economy that we're in. If it can't afford basic safety measures, if it can't afford a decent education for, for pupils who are living in poverty when we're one of the richest countries in the world, something is broken within this mm. system. So we also need to fight for an alternative Um and, and I think that is fighting for a socialist system and, and economies, planned economies, where we actually do have some control. Um, well, not just some control, but full control, mm. not only of the economy so that we can fund these measures that we want, but also so that we have control politically and democratically, so that we don't have to have this situation where every single time a major decision is made or needs to be made, somebody who's mate became a minister makes that decision rather than a, a, a plethora of professionals who know exactly what needs mm. to be done um so i think these are some really key things that need to be fought for and that people can you know i think there's concrete action within that that people can do is raising these points at meetings passing motions to commit to fighting for these um these measures and these ideas as well yeah, and I think part of that, as you say, is the important um, point is is about putting workers in control. That seems like a very key uh, demand um, relating to uh, the whole of the labour movement. And the teachers have shown very clear. I mean, I don't trust the Tories, and I don't think anyone does, to introduce any measures in the next six weeks that are actually going to allow us to go safely out of this lockdown uh, in mid-February. The only way we're going to get any of those kind of uh, measures, as you said, uh, introduced properly, is to have workers in control, put, put teachers in control of schools, put the healthcare professionals in charge of the vaccinations and the test and trace, put the people who know best, the people who work in workplaces, the people from those local, local communities, put them in charge of fighting the virus. It seems like this question of workers' control really has been excellently raised by the teachers uh, and and it and, and I think that's a real general lesson for the whole of the labor movement yeah 100% it just seems like logic doesn't it I don't you know it doesn't seem like a particularly radical thing to be asking for from my point of view here we have a set of people who have shown that we should be making these decisions um, and yet that's not put in place um, I think the, the argument for democratic workers control is 100% um, valid it seems the most logical thing to do it doesn't even seem particularly radical to to us at this point and the NEU have definitely um, taken the first step forward in showing you know what that would look like and why well maybe not quite what it would look like in full but like why that is such a necessary thing to happen because here we are correctly again taking steps into our own hand, like taking measures into our own hands and, and doing that for the good of the entire population, uh, something that we can't trust the leadership of, of this country to do um, and something that we, you know, we, we need to take steps to, to make sure isn't going to happen again in the future, that we, we are the ones in control, not just in teaching, but in all of the workplaces for all of the workers um, across the whole of society. 
Thanks very much, Tash. I think that's you, you've done a really great job of explaining to us the issues and most importantly, the, the demands that we need to be taking going forward. So really, thank you very much for, for joining us today uh, on the program. Uh, and obviously, best of luck, solidarity with this struggle for safe schools, uh, wishing you and all the other teachers the best of luck in that struggle. And obviously, you've got the full support of uh, socialist activists uh, in the Labour movement. So thank you very much uh, for, for joining us today uh, once again. Um, and uh, also thanks to everyone at home for, for watching and listening. Uh, as uh, always, if you haven't uh, already started following us uh, on YouTube and on the podcast, Marxist Voice, please go and give us a like and a subscribe and obviously share this, uh, this video and this podcast to uh, other activists, share our articles on social media, help us get the socialist ideas out there. And obviously a little plug, since we're going to be all at home for the next six weeks, uh, at least, uh, I think now's the time to get your teeth into Marxist theory, into Marxist ideas. So I really encourage all our viewers and listeners to go back through our archives of videos, watch the theory, the history, the analysis that we've got on there, go back and listen to all the podcasts. And of course, follow us on socialist.net for all the latest news and analysis as uh, the events explode in the USA, in Britain, and uh, and beyond. And as ever, if you want to support us in the struggle for socialism, then please visit socialist.net forward slash donate and socialist.net forward slash subscribe in order to obviously donate and subscribe to our paper, our digital paper coming out still every fortnight. And of course, donations, small and large, very much welcome. So again, thank you for, for joining us today, Tash. Thank you for everyone at home. Uh, and most importantly, uh, if you've agreed with what Tash has to say today, join us uh, in this fight for socialism. Go to socialist.net forward slash join to get involved with Socialist Appeal and the struggle for socialism. Thank you very much. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Marx's Voice. You can subscribe to our podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, or any major podcast provider. Or visit our website at www.socialist.net. And if you're able to, please donate or subscribe online and help support us in the struggle for socialism.